Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one's set for Thursday, February the 17th, 2022. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, back with you here on the podcast. A lot to get into today. We're going to talk some recruiting with Hank South coming up in just a little bit. Of course, Hank does an outstanding job as the longtime recruiting analyst for us at BamaOnline.com. We'll go through a myriad of topics, bullet points, We'll hit on some things with Hank South coming up on the recruiting front in just a little bit. We'll obviously talk some Alabama men's basketball following the Crimson Tide's 80-75 to win over Mississippi State Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum. Didn't look good for the Crimson Tide there. About midway through the second half, Nate Oates gets a couple technicals ejected. Nate Oates on Wednesday night. Alabama falls behind. 64 to 57 there with about eight minutes to go. Get a big three from an unlikely source in James Rojas. That corner three cut it to a four point game. Alabama then a little bit later goes on an 11 0 run and is able to get a split of the regular season two games set with the Mississippi State Bulldogs with the five point win. We'll review the game by revisiting our three predictions for Alabama-Mississippi State. We ran those earlier on Wednesday for you there on the website. And we'll start with our first prediction that we had, and that was Mississippi State star Iverson Molinar will not outscore Alabama's two-point guards by 14 points. Last month in State's two-point win over Alabama, Iverson Molinar scored 24 points, while Javon Quinterly and J.D. Davison combined for 10 points, also had seven turnovers between the two guys. In 35 minutes of action, Molinar was really dominant that first time around. Came into Wednesday night's game averaging 18.4 points per game and had done some big things from a scoring perspective in some of the toughest road venues in the Southeastern Conference. He had 30 in a loss at Kentucky on January the 25th. He had 19 in a loss at Arkansas on February the 5th. He had 26 at LSU in a loss to the Tigers last Saturday. And the common denominator in those performances were losses, unfortunately, for Molinar and the Bulldogs. So one of the keys for Alabama, in addition to trying to keep Molinar somewhat in check, and he did go off for 18 in the second half Wednesday night. So Alabama wasn't entirely successful in that regard. But Alabama, from a scoring depth perspective, you figured had an advantage, and it certainly played out that way. Whereas Molinar did get some help 
from Cam Carter with 15 and DJ Jeffries with 15. Alabama had four different guys with 12 or more, led by Javon Quinterly. Speaking of Alabama point guards, how about Javon Quinterly? 21 points, eight assists, three three-pointers in the game. The first time in SEC play this season that Quinterly has had more than two threes in an SEC game. He did it against State on Wednesday night with three. Jaden Shackelford and Keon Ellis combined to go 0 for 13 from three. Shaq still gets to double figures with 12. Keon takes the bagel in 23 minutes of work. Charles Bediaco continuing to show signs of promise. 15 points on 6 of 7 shooting. Five rebounds for the big man and Quinterly in that area as well. Just a tremendous all-around performance for Javon Quinterly in terms of finding Bediaco in some screen and roll situations. Uh, he also had the Euro step behind the back look to Jaden Shackelford. Just an absolutely beautiful dime on the layup by Jaden there in that situation. And, you know, Darius Miles, big in the game as well. If we're going to talk about scoring depth, Darius Miles with 12 points off the bench and 21 minutes of action, also seven rebounds and was big down the stretch, making some free throws, providing a lot of the finishing kick for Alabama offensively in that situation. So, A very positive finish to the game, whereas against Arkansas last Saturday, Alabama very much limped to the finish when the Crimson Tide needed to kick it in, especially after Nate Oates' ejection and that seven-point deficit, they were able to get it done. And when you get 21-8 and from Javon Quinterly, chances are you're going to like the outcome from a team perspective a lot more than you would otherwise. Prediction number two that we had for the game on Wednesday night, the two teams will be whistled for a combined 40-plus fouls. In round one last month, Alabama and Mississippi State were called for a combined 47 fouls. Of that total, 26 were whistled on Alabama players. So a major reduction in fouls for Alabama in round two as the Crimson Tide called for 16 fouls. Uh, He had a couple of fouls on Nate with the technicals. So when you look at even Mississippi State's free throw total, 17 of 19, 90% essentially from the free throw line for Mississippi State in the game, four of those attempts came off of technical fouls on Nate Oates. So a better job certainly for Alabama not fouling. 21 fouls whistled on Mississippi State. The Crimson Tide goes 18 of 23 from the free throw line, 78.3%. So production from the free throw line, a few more attempts for Alabama, but really a wash where it wasn't a wash, especially on a night where once again, Alabama just could not find the stroke from three, six of 30. At least Alabama was consistent, right? Three of 15 in the first half, three of 15 in the second half, but the Crimson Tide owned points in the paint plus 14 in that area 44 to 30 dominated on the glass Alabama did a pretty good job did a good job on the defensive boards with 33 of those offensive rebounds 
were pretty much a wash between the two teams. And so the Crimson Tide did what it needed to do with an emphasis on the paint and at the free throw line to overcome, again, just another frigid night from three. Although, as we talked about earlier, Rojas uh, with a big one from the corner, when the game felt like it was really starting to perhaps slip away from Alabama, the junior college transfer steps up with a big one. Third and final prediction we had for Alabama-Mississippi State, Alabama will finish the game plus 15 or more in bench scoring. You know, last month, Alabama was plus 15. uh, And so you have to be careful in sort of establishing stats as maybe these gateway stats to victory because that wasn't the case uh, last month. The state still got the win, but in Alabama, even against Arkansas last Saturday, was plus 21 in bench scoring uh, and still didn't have breathing room down the stretch. So, you know, you're always interested with Alabama in terms of which starting lineup Nate's going to run out there. And uh, it's pretty much been the same principles involved. Uh, but there has been a pretty strong mix. You've had nine different guys make starts for Alabama this season, but you figured going into this game, scoring depth would be very much in favor of the Crimson Tide, and it played out that way. You were worried that, you know, more so or just as much so as Molinar getting his because that's typically going to be the case, and ultimately he did get his 22, was that in the first go-around, you had a couple other guys that came up big to go along with him. And you didn't want to see that happen again. And for the most part, it didn't. Uh, Shaquille Moore and Garrison Brooks combined for 31 and 15 the last time these teams met. And so, yeah, Cam Carter, uh, the guard, did have 15. Uh, DJ Jeffries, the wing, did have 15 of his own. But for the most part, Alabama was able to counter that with significant depth of scoring to go along with Quinterly's 21, Betty Aka with 15, Shackelford with 12, Darius Miles with a big 12 off the bench. And so when we talk about the edge off the bench, it was very much in play. Alabama outscores Mississippi State in the game in terms of bench points, 30-11 to 11 with uh, Miles, J.D. Davison, Jawan Gary, And James Rojas with nine big points, accounting for all of those points in the win. So there you go. Three predictions revisited. Again, a big one for the Crimson Tide for a number of reasons. Gets you over the 500 hump in the league at seven and six. Um, And as much as anything, you're looking at Kentucky coming up this weekend in Lexington. There's questions about this Kentucky team, though, coming off a really dominating performance at the hands of Tennessee midweek. Kentucky also questions in relation to their star freshman guard, Ty Ty Washington. He was injured initially against Florida last weekend in Lexington, tried to go against Tennessee on Tuesday night. That did not go well. John Calipari in the postgame really admitted regret in terms of of putting – Ty Ty Washington out there. So we'll see what Washington's status is as we move throughout the rest of the week. But Kentucky and Tennessee tied for second in the SEC standings now at 10 and 3 apiece. Auburn just keeps winning with an emphasis on its home court. Auburn at 12 and 1 in the league. 
Alabama, as we told you, tied with LSU at seven and six. Uh, those teams, of course, have already met once uh, in Tuscaloosa. So, uh, you know, Alabama, LSU tied for fifth in the league. Arkansas solo fourth at nine and four. A lot to sort out here as we head down the home stretch of SEC play. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BamaOnline.com. That's coming up right now. As promised, we're going to shift our focus now to the recruiting front, where Hank South, longtime recruiting analyst for us at BamaOnline.com, joins the podcast. Uh, Hank, it's been a while. Welcome back to the show. It has. Thanks for having me. Excited to, to, to get back into the swing of things with this. Are you fully recovered from uh, Super Bowl 56? You know, you had the Alabama involvement. Yeah. I know you kind of broke that down for us from a recruiting perspective. Uh, you, you're good to go after that nail biter finish in L.A. I am. I was a little, you know, I, I was I was kind of bummed, you know, the the, the uh, how it ended. I mean, I, I didn't really care who won, but, you know, it was kind of just a anticlimactic ending. I feel like it, it didn't really go down to the wire, went down to that incompletion. But Aaron Donald, he is a he is a different kind of human being. He is, and the uh, NFL officials can be different from time yep. to time. Uh, you knew that was going to play a role. After we had essentially, what, 56 minutes of almost flag-free football, it seemed like, uh, right there at the end of the game, we had multiple flags go against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not saying they didn't earn one or two of them, but, uh, yeah, there yeah. could be there could be some complaints, I think, from the uh, Cincinnati fan base. So, Hank, Let's talk some 2023 mostly with you today on the podcast. First of all, Hank, where the hell are the commitments for 2023? I mean, I looked in Alabama right now, Hank, ranks 36th in the country with this 2023 class. Got a four-star safety in Elliott Washington, the second of Venice, Florida, committed a couple weeks ago. Come on, Hank. Get this thing cranked up. You know, the fans are going to start calling for your head here soon. There's only one sensible thing to do right now, and that's to hit the panic button because <laughs> it is over. <laughs> oh, every year it seems like this, doesn't it? Well, I mean, a couple of years ago you had Deontay Lawson, and uh, now you've got e- uh, Elliot Washington II, a legacy. Remember, I'm old enough, man, to remember watching his dad play basketball at Alabama. Good little point guard. Yeah. But, um, yeah, things are certainly going to pick up. And I guess what I wanted to ask you about as well is – for the first time in a couple of years, it seems like based on your updates and, you know, what you've presented to us along with Tim Watts, our site publisher, uh, this spring period coming up is going to be more of a return to normalcy than we've had in a couple of years. Yeah, it's really the first time since 2019 that we're going to have a, a normal spring recruiting period. If you, if you look back to 2020, uh, they shut off visits. I think it was that March 12th or 13th was the day that the visits were were shut off. They put the dead period in place, and, and in-person recruiting was essentially over for 14 plus months. Um, so nothing in 2020. 2021, we were still in that dead period set back in 2020. So visits didn't kick back up until uh, until June. Uh, um, and so really, the last time we've we've seen spring visits in a in a normal capacity was 2019 when when Bama was uh, was working on landing guys like Willie Anderson, Bryce Young um, in, in that class. So it's kind of crazy to think it's been that long, been about three years since uh, 
since it's been that way. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be refreshing to, to kind of get back to, uh, some normalcy. Um, you know, obviously we'll have, uh, plenty of spring, spring break visits, uh, from top recruits expected in guys come in to check out Alabama and spring practice. Um, obviously a day is going to return to that marquee recruiting event of the spring. Um, and we'll see coaches back out on the road again, um, come, uh, come mid April and through May where they can go out and see spring practices and, and do a little bit more in-person eval. So definitely nice to see all that back. Now based on what you've had for us there at BamaOnline.com, sounds like that first weekend in March going to have some star power where the 2023 class is concerned on campus. Yeah, there, there's several uh, big time recruits expected. And I think that list is going to grow. It's just a matter of, you know, guys um, finalizing some plans. But um, that March 5th weekend, the first one out of the gate from the dead period in February, um, guys like Ruben Owens, the five star running back from Texas, um, Ryan Niblett, the four star receiver from Texas, who's um, kind of exploding onto the recruiting front. Um, you know, he's a high four star already, but has really been having a strong off season. Um, there's going to be, um, some underrated or, you know, not as well well known of, uh, of prospects like Cole Adams, the wide receiver from Oklahoma that recently gotten, recently got an offer. Um, Jan Zapier, an in-state guy, um, in-state edge rusher that's expected in Tony Mitchell, the five-star cornerback. So it's going to be a pretty big, pretty big weekend in Tuscaloosa that March 5th. Um, and certainly, you know, could set the tone for, you know, very active, um, spring for Alabama recruiting. Yeah, I talked with Tim Watts here on the podcast about this last week and just the potential for the in-state presence for this 2023 class to be absolutely enormous. And I think there's kind of this misconception out there that Alabama only signs like two in-state guys here. And when you really look at it, you can look at 2020, they signed eight. Alabama did from in-state 2017, 2016. That was the case as well. Now, there are years, 2018, they signed just two in-state guys. You think about 2008, that class with Julio Jones, Mark Barron, Courtney Upshaw, Marcel Darius. Amazing to think now that in 2008, that class of 30 signees, 30 enrollees, I guess it was back in 2008, 19 of those guys were in-state. I don't know if we'll ever see that again, but in talking with Tim and knowing what you've updated us with there at BamaOnline.com, what would you, this early anyway, sort of set the over-under for the 2023 class where just in-state guys are concerned? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I'm looking at my uh, mock class, which we'll talk about, but um, you know, I, I think 10 is a good good number to set the over under at. Um, I, I currently out, out of the in-state kids, I have 10 guys projected to Bama in, in my opinion. Um, and I, and I think that's kind of a safe, uh, safe baseline to start at. Um, I mean, the state's just loaded with talent and Bama's not going to land them all obviously, but you know, I, I think they can really take advantage of this Auburn turmoil with, with all the, you know, uh, you know, the, the, news around Brian Harson obviously he's staying but you know uh, that that probably was not a good look to recruits especially with half his staff leaving and, and, and everything that's been going on there um you know Bema's brought in some some uh, some ace recruiters um to the staff this off season um and, and obviously has some guys from the previous uh you know that have been there a few years like Freddie Roach Pete Golding that that can really uh that have already built a lot of those relationships with the in-state kids so i think 10's a good number to start at um 
And, and, you know, it's it's really just it's a loaded defensive side of the class, especially in the state of Alabama. Um, you know, I, I think Bama could sign his entire defensive line hall without leaving the state, which is insane to think. Um, so, you know, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, that lifeblood of, of your recruiting of, of your recruiting class is that in-state recruitment uh, or in-state recruits. And, and you know, Bama's really going to you know press hard on, on that this cycle. You mentioned your predictions, your way too early prediction for Alabama's 2023 class. You gave that to us a couple of Mondays ago there at BamaOnline.com. And I wanted to work through that with you on today's show. And we'll start at the quarterback position because there's so much talk, and understandably so, given the ties and what the Manning family has meant to the quarterback position over several decades, really, uh, with Arch Manning. And Alabama's very much involved with him. But there's another 2023 prospect, believe it or not, at the position, Nico Ialmal Iava. I think I said that correctly the last time. I like name. it. Yep. Nico, we'll just call <laughs> it. Uh, you've, you've had to do it yourself here. And, uh, and it's interesting because in your early projection for the 2023 class, it is Nico that you have at the quarterback position. Yeah, you know, with Arch Manning, obviously, you know, he's a top target. Bama's recruiting him hard, um, but it just doesn't seem like there's been any traction which way or the other that, you know, I could confidently say, oh, yeah, I think Arch Manning will end up at Alabama because, you know, each week you look in the news, you know, he's trending to Ole Miss, obviously, you know, for a good reason. He, he's a legacy recruit. He has family ties there. They're going all out for him. Um, Texas, there, there's buzz that, that they might bring. Sark might bring in. David Cutliffe, who, who who has all the ties to the Manning family mm-hmm. in the past. Um, you know, you got Georgia where he's been a couple times. And then this week there was all the buzz that, you know, Arch Manning was down to Alabama and Texas. And that, that was more of a rumor more than anything. But Steve Wolfong of 24-7 Sports got a great um, feature up at, 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 uh, at 24-7 talking to, uh, to Cooper Manning, who says he's not down to two schools. He's still considering Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, and uh, – in Texas, he's actually considering two more schools beyond that uh, with LSU and Florida. So there's really not much to go off of there to make a confident projection with Nico. Um, you know, he's been to Tuscaloosa twice. He's really connected with Nick Saban. Um, they, they've been, you know, pressing for him just as hard as they have for Arch Manning. And, and you know, I, I think he, you know, he's, he's seeing what Bryce Young is doing. He's seeing the development they have at that position. And I, and I think that's standing out to him. Um, you know, he, he's he's looking at the SEC. He's obviously considering the Pac-12 schools as well. Uh, I know Oregon's heavily in the mix for him. UCLA is in the mix for him. Um, but he seems to be enamored by, you know, potentially making the move to the SEC. I know besides Alabama, um, you know, LSU's involved with him. I think Georgia's involved with him. He's looking at Miami as well down in the ACC. So he's not, a, a you know, he's not adverse to, to, to leaving home um, to, to play his college football. And, you know, I, I think Bama has a, a, a very, maybe, maybe an above average shot at, at landing Nico. Um, so I felt pretty good about putting that uh, projection out there. I haven't crystal balled him yet, but you know, just for fun in the mock class, I'm, I'm putting him in there for now. Yeah. Really talented young quarterback, six, five, six, six can make all the throws. Uh, don't think you're going to go wrong either way there. If that's the two quarterback prospects that you're fishing with right now in Alabama, the running back position, Look, we know as long as Nick Saban is at Alabama, there's going to be probably at least two running backs in every class. And I think Alabama fans were excited to see you have the guy that's projected number one at that position right now for the 2023 cycle uh, on your too early or your very early Alabama class for 2023 
uh, and Richard Young coming out of the state of Florida. A couple of backs, I guess, from the state of Florida here. Yeah, I don't think Bama's going to slow down in the state of Florida recruiting, um, even with Mario Cristobal in Miami. Billy Napier at Florida, you know, I think they're still going to succeed in landing some of the top kids in the Sunshine State. Obviously, it's a state loaded with talent, so there's plenty of kids to go around. But in terms of, you know, kind of just their dominance in the state, I, I think it's going to be a little bit longer before, um, you know, Miami and Florida can catch up to what Alabama has been able to do there um, under Nick Saban. But, yeah, Richard Young, I, I think, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, when he got the Bama offer last spring, said it was his dream school. Um, you know, he, he, he talked about Trey Sanders at the time, I believe. Um, he's been to Tuscaloosa twice. He's coming off a multi-day visit at the end of the January. Um, I, I think the schools kind of in competition the most Florida, Clemson, Ohio state. Um, but I mean, I think he's really, you know, I, I spoke with his coach this week, um, James Cheney at, at Lehigh senior. Um, and, and he talked about, you know, Richard Young's a kid that just knows, about the work he know, and, and his coach played at Florida state. So he's been able to kind of um, guide him along this recruiting process a little bit, but he said, you know, you're going to go on these visits. They're going to roll out the red carpet. They're going to show you how great it is. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to put in the work. And I think that's something that's kind of resonated with him and, and his interest in Alabama, because he knows, you know, that that's kind of Alabama is the place, um, you know, where, where you put in the work and, and they kind of lay it all out there for you. And I think that's kind of caught his eye. Um, so we'll see, you know, I don't think he's anywhere close to making a decision, but I, I think Bim is right there at, at the top of his list with some others. Cedric Baxter is my other, um, projection in the class right now, the four-star running back from Edgewater high school in Orlando, same, uh, school as Christian Leary, um, in the class of 2021, Bim offered him late last year. Um, I, I think, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of more of one of those projections. I don't think, you know, there, there's any great intel to kind of pick where he's leaning which way or the other i think that's just one that bama could you know uh you know really start trending for um here this spring once they get him on campus and kind of you know show him a little bit more obviously you got that that in-house recruiter with christian leary as well you look at the wide receiver and tight end positions in your early projections for the 2023 class hank just three signees between those two spots obviously alabama has done some extensive work in terms of numbers at the wide receiver position here in recent classes and tight end, it just seems to be more and more of a precious commodity, finding guys out there that fit offenses like Alabama, Georgia, places that legitimately want to incorporate tight ends. And it looks like in your class projection, you've got a guy from a school that Alabama is very familiar with and that it signed one of its best offensive linemen of the Nick Saban era from. Yeah. You know, maybe Northern California is the spot to find tight ends. We saw what Brock (laughs) Bowers did um, in Georgia, his freshman season and, and Walker Lyons, the four-star tight end from Folsom, California. He's a guy that has been very interested in Alabama. He made his trip out. He made a trip out for the LSU game this past, uh, this past November. So he's already, um, you know, been on campus, seen what the program has to offer. Um, and he's also, I talked to him, he's, he's close with the new tight ends coach, Joe Cox too. So, um, you know, that's already a connection he has. Um, so, you know, that, that's a guy we're watching. Obviously that's the same high school as, as Jonah Williams from a few cycles back. Um, obviously that was like, what six years removed. So he, he's not very familiar with, you know, he doesn't know Jonah Williams, but he, obviously Jonah Williams is kind of a, a legend in his hometown. So, um, that, you know, maybe could help out a little bit if you're looking at Alabama ties um, for Walker Lions. Then the wide receivers class I have projected Ryan Niblett, we just talked about 
the uh, the electric wideout from Texas. He'll be on campus March 5th. We'll see if Bama can can get some footing there. Um, then Aiden Mizell, this is a kid I think people need to go check out his film. He's just a speed demon. Um, he his his parents ran track at Florida, so he's got it in his blood. Um, but he he's very underrated at this point in time. I don't think we have a rating on him yet. Um, but that's going to change. I think he could be a top 100 talent by the end of the cycle, um, you know, with with, uh, with what he's done so far. And, and you know, once he gets out on on the um, camp circuit and all that, I think it'll be abundantly clear that he, he's a pretty special talent. Um, he's also from Orlando um, at, at Boone High School. Offensive line, you've got four projected signees for Alabama and looks like a pretty heavy offensive tackle group of those four guys. Although, as we know, we see signees come to Alabama and they can work both inside and outside. And we talked about that in-state influence earlier in the podcast. And this is where it really starts to show up, I guess, with a couple of these guys that are in-state. And then as we get onto the defensive side of the ball, that'll become even more the case. Yeah, and offensive line, I think, is another area Bama's really trying to you know, hit on this cycle after signing a smaller class, smaller but talented class in, in, in 2022. Um, Caden Proctor, I projected the number one offensive tackle in the country from Iowa. I projected him to Alabama, not with a great deal of confidence, but um, I, I think that's one Bama could really, you know, make a move for this spring and summer. Um, he's already been to Tuscaloosa once last summer, likes it a lot. Um, Olaus Alinen, he told me how to pronounce his name once. I might have just butchered it, but originally from Finland. He's playing high school ball in Connecticut right now. Um, he's an NFL legacy. His dad played for the Falcons, uh, but he took a visit to Tuscaloosa uh, last November, named Bama his leader. Um, so obviously a lot of interest there. He camped last summer as well. So I think he's an early um, popular projection. Requisi McKeldry, um currently committed to Georgia, three-star interior offensive lineman from Anderson. Bama kind of got into him, uh, kind of got onto him a little bit late. Um, offered him right before he committed to Georgia. He had already set up his announcement date. Uh, still very interested in Alabama. He was on campus last month while being committed to Georgia. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that recruitment's over. And then Wilkin Formby, the uh, the local offensive lineman from uh, Northridge High School, um, Alabama Legacy. Uh, he got offered at Junior Day. I think you know he, he's he's enjoying his recruitment process. He's seeing what comes along. But I, I, it would be kind of crazy to think he could end up anywhere else i don't want to like take away any drama from his recruitment but i I think that's a a pretty safe bet at this point in time as well yeah northridge right there in tuscaloosa starting to position itself as an annual contributor at the power five level with recruits i think you're going to see more and more of that with mike vickery and that staff there for the jaguars of northridge you mentioned caden proctor from des moines iowa alabama's gone up to iowa in the past, Ross Pierce Baker, right, was an yeah. Iowa guy from Cedar Falls, so wouldn't be a precedent there if Alabama does it again. Now, we talked about the defensive side of the ball, and looking at your class projections for the defensive line and linebacker positions, um, of those eight players total, seven in your class hail from the state of Alabama. Seven out of eight, including all five defensive line signees you have for Alabama for 2023. This is where it really starts to show up, I guess. 
Yeah, it's kind of wild, right? Um, you know, I, I think defensive line, like I was saying, that's just an area Bama really doesn't need to leave Alabama for. And, and you know, I think the one spot that or the you know one guy that could have left Alabama for was uh, LT Overton, who's now reclassified to 2022, and and Bama's not really recruiting him anymore because you know he, he's he's in this class now. Um, so I, I think the focus really shifts to to home. Then there's going to be other guys. There's other, you know, there's, there's guys out of state. They're still looking at David Hicks in Texas, um, you know, guys elsewhere, but, um, the, the five guys, you know, Peter Woods, James Smith, the two five stars, I think those are the kind of the top of every Bama fans, um, wish list in this class. And I, I think for good reason, you can imagine both will end up in the class woods, especially James Smith. That might be a little bit more of a back and forth battle with Georgia, maybe Auburn a little bit, um, but I think Bama has a great shot there. Kelby Collins, you know, I, I think he's trending to Bama personally. Tamari and Parker, there was some buzz um, about Georgia after a, a January visit, but Bama got him on campus the next weekend, and I think, um, you know, maybe could be trending more so than Georgia now for Tamari and Parker, the four-star defensive lineman from Central High School in Phoenix City. And then a more, another recent offer, Hunter Osborne, uh, the four-star defensive lineman from Hewitt Trustville. He grew up in Alabama, grew up an Alabama fan. I think, uh, I think Bama was the offer. He's not going to say it, but, you know, talking to him, getting the vibe, I, you know, I think Bama was, you know, obviously a special offer to him. Maybe, maybe the one he's been waiting on. Um, but again, a guy that has, I think like four dozen offers, he's going to take some official visits, probably, um, do a little bit more due diligence on his recruitment see what's out there. But I think Bama has a, has a pretty good shot at him too. And then you move on to that linebacker kind of edge position. Quay Rousseau, another guy from Montgomery Carver, um, very f- close friend of Curtis Perry. Um, and and a guy, he, you know, he's been to Tuscaloosa several times. He was there for junior day um, last month as well. And, and I think Bama really set itself up nicely for him. And then another guy we mentioned earlier, Yonze Pierre, he wasn't able to uh, to make it in, in January. He had basketball all, all the weekends, but he's expected in on March 5th. Um, and I think that's another one that um, the Bama's really set it up, set itself up nicely for. He's actually the cousin of uh, a cousin of uh, Courtney Upshaw. And then a um, little bit of a projection back to California, Mateo Uyagalele, uh, brother of Clemson quarterback DJ, um, five-star edge rusher in the class from St. John Bosco in California. Um, I include him here because I, you know, he's been in Tuscaloosa a couple times. Um, obviously, you know. His brother was recruited by Alabama, so he's familiar, you know, back, back a few, a uh, few years back. Um, but if you look at his dad's Twitter, um, Dave Uglele, the guy is all about Nick Saban. You know, he 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 tweets stuff from Nick Saban. He, you know, he he talks about how great of a coach he is, all this stuff. Um, and I'm not saying you know that's you know reason to believe Mateo's going to go to Alabama, but I think you know when it comes down to that decision making time, you know, if Bama, if Bama is pressing, which you know they are. Um, that's got to, you know, play some sort of influence in there, um, for Mateo. So the, uh, that's why I included him on the, on the early projection. We look at the secondary and some familiar schools at the prep level that have produced Alabama recruits and signees in previous years, even at some of the specific positions you're looking at here, like safety and corner. When you talk about Thompson and you talk about St. Thomas Aquinas, and I guess even, John Paul II Catholic, uh, the Tallahassee area in general uh, at the safety position for Alabama. Uh, you've got five signees here, and yeah, again, it looks like a strong mix between safety, corner, and I'm going to guess a couple of these guys that you could project at star, maybe even money in some of those sub-defensive back roles. 
Yeah, and I don't know why I put St. Thomas Aquinas on um, Damari Brown's though. He's actually at American Heritage, so oh, still another bad. another still, spot yeah. that uh yeah. So potentially history could repeat itself here with several of these guys, but um obviously you got Elliot Washington who I think could fit that star um, role pretty well personally. Um, but you know staying in state, Tony Mitchell, Jaleel Hurley. Um, Jaleel Hurley, the five-star cornerback from Florence, he's actually announcing a decision this upcoming Tuesday. Um, so it's going to be a decision on his mom's birthday. I don't think he's going to change his decision date, as we saw last month. I think he's pretty set on uh, making an announcement on his mom's mom's birthday. So um, I, I think Bama has a good shot to add him. Tony Mitchell, a guy I mentioned, is going to be back on campus March 5th. He took a visit in January as well. Obviously, he's been to Bama a million times. Um, five-star cornerback from Thompson High School. Bama just signed uh, Traquan Fagans from Thompson. Obviously, Jeremiah Alexander as well. So a school they've uh, a school they've gotten some guys from recently. Makari Vickers, the four-star safety from Tallahassee, same high school as uh, Terion Arnold at Alabama. Um, I think Bama is really trending for him at this point in time. Um, I, the picture on the mock class is him and his entire family with Nick Saban last month. Uh, I, I think uh, that's a school that's really kind of set the tone for Makari Vickers. Obviously, you got hometown Florida State. Um, but I think uh, I think he sees a lot of opportunity at Alabama. And then Damari Brown, um, three-star cornerback from American Heritage High School um, in Fort Lauderdale. Obviously, you know, we've seen Earl Little uh, Jr. We've seen Pat Sertain. Um, and obviously the head coach is, is Patrick Sertain. Um, so, you know, a lot of Bama ties there. Um, kind of a Bama pipeline almost. And I, I think, uh, you know, the addition of Traveris Robinson to the staff um, obviously helps that as well in terms of uh, that South Florida connection. So, um, yeah, uh, it would be a pretty solid defensive uh, back haul, uh, including Elliott Washington as well from Florida, um, you know, if Bama was able to sign those guys. All of that, and you can never, you can still never say it's over with uh, the no. transfer portal. Man, nope. what an entirely different dynamic it has added to all of this and here recently we learned that Vanderbilt offensive lineman Tyler Steen who is looking to make the move from Nashville (laughs) has been linked to Alabama with the potential I guess to make a trip to Tuscaloosa here in the next month or so. Yeah, and that was one spot, you know, after we saw all the additions that, uh, you know, Eli Riggs, Jameer Gibbs, and Jermaine Burton, you know, if, if you know, people were asking, you know, are we done in the transfer portal? And then saying, you know, I think one spot you could look at is offensive line. You know, you're losing Evan Neal. Um, you need to build some depth. You got guy, you got talented young guys, but you're not really sure exactly what you have um, ahead of next season um, with, with everything that's going to shuffle out. So, you know, Tyler Steen, the Vanderbilt offensive line graduate transfer a guy that started 30 games in the SEC, or I think almost all in the SEC. So certainly has that experience you look for, um, that veteran experience. Um, he, Andrew Ivins, reported on, uh, I guess it was Tuesday, that he's going to take a, uh, looking to take a visit in March. Um, I think several other schools he was going to look at, North Carolina State, uh, I think Penn State was one, and, and a few others. So you got to think, you know, if Bama's pressing there, that that's, uh, that's a pretty, um, you know, not like I mean I don't want to say likely but you you I think Bama has a pretty good shot at adding a guy you know they can they can pitch coming in and playing immediately on on what should be one of more the more talented Nick Saban teams at Alabama um that he's had so that'll be one we're watching next month when when the calendar opens back up yeah it almost has a little bit of a Jamison Williams feel to it just at the offensive tackle position it gives Alabama the opportunity to go through its winter program and into spring practice and get a feel for where some of its guys at the tackle positions are at in terms of their development. You get through a day and you 
reassess one more time. And if a guy like Tyler Steen is still sitting out there and you have a need at tackle and Steen has started games at both right and left tackle, uh, perhaps that's when you, you really make the push. But yeah, it does seem like Alabama initially, at least very much in the, in the recruitment for Tyler Steen, the Vanderbilt offensive lineman. Hey, Hank, as always, we appreciate you taking the time here on the podcast. Always great stuff. Always great work for us there at BamaOnline.com. And we'll do it again. We won't be as, we won't be as uh, distant in terms sure. of segments that we do here moving forward. Yeah. Appreciate it, Hank. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. For Hank Sal, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining the Bama Online podcast and keep it locked to Bama Online, man. We got so much going on this time of year. Hank, Tim, recruiting coverage, team coverage ramping up as we get closer to the start of 2022 spring football. And of course, you've got Alabama softball, Alabama baseball with home openers coming up this weekend, respectively. Alabama men's basketball goes to Kentucky on Saturday, so we got you covered right there at BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryder, thanking you once again. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.